Welcome back. This is Mark Buckley on Koinonia filling in for Tom Brown today. And uh, with me in the studio are several people who have done missions work over the years. They're all involved in YWAM right now. Uh, Randy, you were telling me that um, you were in Papua New Guinea for 20 years. You started teaching there. Did you continue teaching the whole 20 years? No, no, no. I When I was asked to go down to um, the national capital, it was basically to do government relations work with... Through golf. With, through golf with people in the capital. Yeah. And so what kind of leaders in the nation did you get to know over the years? All of them. Really? Basically, yeah. The top I, people. I was able to, you know, um, meet the prime ministers and work with them and give them some golf lessons. Wow. Speakers of the house and so on. And, now, did uh, many of them speak English? They all, all, all the top leaders in the country would speak English. English, yeah. Is it because they went to uh, English-speaking schools in Papua New Guinea, or did they go to American universities? Or Well, most of them were educated under an Australian school system. Australia uh, ran the school system in Papua New Guinea before uh-huh. its independence became independent in 1975. Uh-huh. But before that time, uh, the Australian, and after that time, Australians kind of ran the schools, and so it was a... Uh, English-speaking school. Now, m- some people, the only thing they know about Papua New Guinea is there used to be headhunters around there. Oh, yeah. Um, how wild is the place? <laughs> it's, it's, it's really hard to say, Mark, because the, it's so many different cultures. There's over 840 languages. In one nation. In one nation. Wow. Of about 6 million people, 6.5 million people. So, and is it because of the isolation of some of the islands? Yeah. There's thousands of islands, aren't there? Yeah, there's there's islands, but the the country itself, um, when you fly over it, you just look down and you see these little villages just out in the middle of nowhere. You don't know how they got there or whatever, but they all have their own languages, and they're very proud of their languages. Really? And so, yeah. So, and our, now, did you go ever go visit some of those little places? Oh yeah, yeah. And and did you share do gospel ministry there or what'd you do? We uh, we would do that. We showed the the Jesus film uh-huh. in a lot of these uh, different little villages and so on, and shared the gospel. And but the major work for the organization that I worked with was translating the scriptures into the language of the people. Uh-huh. So we had. Uh, you know, that's quite a work. I, I have nothing but the most respect for translators who spend 15, 20, 25 years out in these villages and uh, learning the language and reducing it to a written form and then uh, putting the scriptures into the... Now, do those languages. people know how to read, or do you have to teach them how to read we as well? You have to teach them how to read and write, too. So and a, how does that go? I mean, is it do the people resist it, or do they look forward to it? Oh, or? they look forward to it, yeah. They really? really? They really look forward to it. And... Um, so it's it's a uh, it's an opportunity to live with and meet the people, develop relationships, teach them how to read and write. Uh, not only do scriptures in their own language, but like things like healthcare in yeah. their own language, so they know about things because they just don't have any idea. Really? Now, what kind of food do you eat in those little villages? Well, basically, they live off the land, and and so you eat. Um, Roots like taro, uh-huh. or you'd have yam, or you'd have ibaca greens. Um, not a whole lot of protein, 
uh-huh. for the most part. Um, how, how about spices? I mean, you don't just no, grab a salt shaker, do you? No, there's not many spices there. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah. How, how are the bugs? A lot of bugs? Yeah, there's a lot of bugs. It's, the The advertisement for Papua New Guinea is, is like no place you've ever been. Uh-huh. And that is exactly right. It's like <laughs> no place you've ever been. But for the most part, I lived in capital city, so it's like any capital city yeah. around the world. It had all the... It had all the stuff that a capital city would have. It has the nice buildings. It has good places to eat. It has a lot of crime. And... Uh, how were the golf courses? We have one golf course in, in the capital city, and it was adequate. I mean, it was decent. Decent, huh? And uh, there were some other golf courses in the country. Like Vicky was saying, I think there's probably four 18-hole golf courses in the country. In the and, entire nation. And a lot, but a lot of nine-hole golf courses. Uh-huh. Um, the, uh, when the Australians had their administrators, their kiops, they call them, come up and and uh, they're like the police force yeah and they would go th- go to these villages and they'd have villagers actually cut out areas that they could play golf in there <laughs> really? and so you see all Australians these nine, love golf <laughs> you see all these little nine hole golf courses around, that's so. funny yeah. so i want to talk to another ywimmer and her name is gianna marillo gianna um welcome to the program you come from utah yeah. you what made you choose this uh, YWAM Golf DTS? Well, I just graduated in May from high school, and I was planning on taking a gap year. And so my mom found the Golf DTS mm-hmm. on Facebook, actually. And she was just, we we're looking into it. She's like, oh, is this something you're interested in doing? And maybe you and your brother. And so we just kind of looked into it, emailed Vicky and Kelly, and it just kind of fell into place really that's wonderful and you end up uh you were on the golf team in high school for four years right? yes four and years. uh um how how has golf impacted your life how, how do you put golf and your faith in christ together see that's where i'm really learning and understanding mm-hmm. on how those two really they go together and they do and it's just amazing like discovering that um I think in high school, I had a hard time. I'd get frustrated a lot and um, get really discouraged. Um, But coming here, it's just really helped me um, see how fun and amazing this game is and how how much grace and, you know. And that's really what it's all about for everything in life. I mean, you're learning a really important life lesson. I've been trying to learn that lesson most of my life is how to compete and still be enjoying life and it's you know how to i used to play tennis for a lot of years and um what good does it do if you say you love your brother but then you're so mad at your brother (laughs) because uh you're losing a tennis game to him and in the big picture of things who really cares but it's just the ego of life you know we we want to uh to prove how good we are whatever and i isaiah's here as well isaiah i want you to say hi to everybody and how long have you been following Jesus? Well, I've been following Jesus 21 right now, so I think about the four years old, about four. Really? Four. And, and what's the most important thing Jesus means to you? Jesus means to me right now. He's my healer and my provider right now. So. Amen. We're glad to have you with us as well. So um, let's get back to... Vicky for just a moment and then we're going to um, talk to Terry. 
Vicki, you and your husband, Kelly, have developed this school. And this, I, I'd like you to just give us the essence, the vision of why you want to do this school and why you want to train disciples for Christ. Well, these schools are not... Um unknown in YWAM. They're basically a six-month school for for young people or older people to get to know God and then to learn how to make him known amongst mm-hmm. the nations or in the workforce, wherever God leads them. But this school is special and unique that it's focused for golfers. Mm-hmm. And so we there are 80 million golfers around the world. That's the last statistic I read. And we want to break into that 80 million mm-hmm. golfers and and present the gospel to those that don't know and help those that do know Jesus to be able to take him to the nations. All and right. in the way that and that Randy had just said about being influential, golfers are, come from all different spheres of life, and we want to help um, influence the nations with the gospel. Amen. And one of those golfers that's in your school, his name's Terry Hale. Um, Terry, tell us a little bit about what the Lord means to you and how golf is a bridge for sharing your faith. Well, I've been a Excuse me. I've been a Christian since I was about 12 years old, but there wasn't much discipleship going along with that. So in the 15 years that I've been married to my wife, I've got closer and closer to God. I started hearing what I thought was a call, and it had to do with the persecuted Christians and the persecuted nations that we know, you know, that we hear about every day on the TV and the radio. More so now than at any other time. And... And I just felt, you know, that maybe the Lord was calling me to to maybe go help where I can. And with my wife, knowing Vicky from when they went to a DTS together, she made a phone call. She found out about the golf TTS, of which I've played golf off and on my whole life, even though I hadn't played much in the last five years before coming here. Mm-hmm. But I just, and we, we talked about it and prayed about it, and we just thought this was a, a way for us to go when we've we've sunk head over heels into it you know technically i'm homeless we gave up our house we were renting put all our stuff in storage and and came forward with the idea that we're doing this so that's wonderful now tell us a little bit about your heart for the persecuted church because a lot of people right now are being stirred up knowing that there's been christians beheaded um in libya and captured in syria what is the Lord saying to you about how we should be praying for the persecuted church? We pray for our our brothers and sisters out there every day that they they are able to maintain their faith, even in, in spite of the fact that somebody's threatening to kill them for their faith. My in the way I wanted to help, way we were what we were looking at, what we have looked at is all the. Uh, refugees that are coming out of Syria going into into Jordan mm-hmm. and we were looking at and we still are looking at the possibility of going to Jordan and help working with those refugees Wonderful mercy ministries you know and gives us a chance to spread the gospel at the same time without and, and also just helping people that have no place else to go right now yeah which is really tragic it's, it's pretty amazing when you think of the fact that these people have had their homes destroyed their lives are threatened. They don't really have a good future. And uh, yet God's hearing their cries, isn't he? And may the Lord give you wisdom and direct you on that, Terry. Thank you. 
I'm Mark Buckley. We're going to continue this program in just a moment. Stay tuned to Koinonia. We're going to be right back. 